0: Welcome to Leading Light. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I want to start off by telling you a very brief story. A few years ago, I was cycling to work, as I do quite often. And uh, so I'm cycling from out here in St Brelard along the cycle track, all the way around the, the bay uh, to, um, to town. And as I approached where the uh, frigate is, um, there were some people handing out leaflets. So there were some girls uh, either side of the cycle track handing out leaflets. And um, I thought, I don't want to talk to the Jehovah's Witnesses today. So uh, I thought, no, I'm not stopping for a leaflet. I'll probably doing about 15 miles an hour. There was another cyclist coming the other way, and he didn't want to stop for a leaflet either, but the two girls who were handing them out sort of got closer and closer together until as we were due to pass, there wasn't any room to pass, and so we collided head on. And I flew over the handlebars and <coughs> landed on the cycle track. Uh, actually, completely unhurt, as it happened. Praise the Lord. But the front wheel of my bike was bent into a figure of eight. <laughs> so that, that was useless and uh, I was a bit cross. Uh, confess. (laughs) I was a bit bit cross. So they were offering to... Anyway, it turns out they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses. They were cycle enthusiasts. (laughs) And they were promoting their cycling club. And I wasn't particularly interested at that point in their cycling club, because I thought, okay, you're an enthusiastic cyclist, but you forgot the main thing. Yeah. If you're a cyclist, the main thing is to be safe, isn't it? And they forgot that. They, they just made a mistake, actually. It was an easy mistake to make. They didn't see it coming. They were both so enthusiastic to give out the leaflets to people coming in opposite directions that they were looking in opposite directions and didn't realise that they closed us off and forced us to have a collision. But it just made me think <clears throat> this week, as I was remembering that, Incident. I don't know why it came back to my mind. I was thinking, it's so important for us as believers that we remember what is the main thing about this thing. What is it? You know, what's it all about? And I was thinking about the Ten Commandments. And I'd just like to read you um, a little bit from the book of Deuteronomy. So the Ten Commandments are in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and that's the second time they crop up in the the Old Testament. But then the next chapter, in chapter 6, there's a kind of summary. And it says this, and uh, you'll probably remember these words because Jesus quoted this verse. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. <clears throat> that is the main thing. Okay? So if you forget everything else, don't forget, that's what God wants. That's God's priority. That he's one, and he wants us to love him with all of our heart, all of our strength, everything that we've got, basically. And so when the one of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? Um, in the Gospels. This is the verse that Jesus quoted. He actually added another verse. He said, And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. But the first one is about God. And if we go back to chapter 5 of Jesus' where the commandments are listed, um, uh, I'm not going to read them all. You're fairly familiar with them, I'm sure. But... uh, Let me just read you the beginning. So it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. And the first three commandments out of ten they're all about God. So we tend to think commandments, you know, all these rules, that we, things we can't do. But the first three out of ten are all about how we relate to God. That's God's priority. And we forget that sometimes because I think people uh, often project onto God what they think God ought to be like. And if we're not careful, we forget that it's God who should define what he's like, not us. God's not made in our image. We shouldn't be. We're made in his image. So we need to know what God's like and we need to know what's important to him and what, what he thinks are, are the priorities. And the first priority is that we should love him. Very simple. But then it goes on to say, and you shall have no other gods and you shan't make any idols either. Now, we don't tend to have idols in our houses these days. But in those days, they'd have idols representing gods all around the house, and they'd worship them. They'd put their trust in them. And uh, idol worship was a big thing at the time. So when we read, you shall have, don't make any idols, we can we can think, well, that doesn't really apply to us. We, we don't do that. But actually, I think, um, if we think about it, I think we do have idols. Mm-hmm. But let's just look at... Um, what uh, Isaiah says about idols, because I like this little chapter. This is Isaiah 44, and it, it's headed in my Bible, the folly of idolatry. And it's basically, it's like a manual of how to make an idol. So he talks about a man who, who um, shapes wood, and he, he says he, he extends a measuring line, he outlines it with red chalk, he works it with planes, and outlines it with a compass, and makes it like the form of a man, like the beauty of a man, so that it may sit in in a house. Surely he cuts cedars for himself and takes a cypress or an oak and raises it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a fir and the rain makes it grow. Then it becomes something for a man to burn. So he takes one of them and warms himself. He also makes a fire to bake bread. He also makes a god and worships it, He makes it it a graven image and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over this, half he eats meat as he roasts the roast and is satisfied. He also warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. But the rest he makes into a god, his graven image. He falls down before it and worships. He also prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. And it's actually quite comical. This man is taking a bit of wood. Half of it is burning to, to cook his food. And the other half he's making into a god. And then he's saying, deliver me for you are my god. And the reality is that there were powers behind these gods. So even though it was only a bit of wood, because they put their trust in it, then demonic powers would come in And they would find themselves worshipping demons. And it's the same for us today. So there may be no blocks of wood involved, but there are things that can become gods to us. And uh, I'd just like to look at one, possibly two, I think probably just one of these. And it's all in Proverbs chapter 3. So uh, most of you are familiar with Proverbs chapter 3, very popular passage um, all about wisdom. And verse 5 particularly says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay, so that's um, that's that those well-known verses about trusting in the Lord. But the thing that I want to, to bring out this morning is that One of the gods that we can worship and trust in and rely on is ourselves. So, the god of self is actually, I think, very pervasive in our whole society now. So um, Social media, particularly, has made uh, promotion of yourself like a god. And so, for a lot of people, it's all about me. It's all about what I can do. It's all about what, uh, what I can do myself and what I don't need God for. Whereas the verses here say, do not be wise in your, in your own eyes yeah. and do not lean on your own understanding. And so I just wanted to, to bring out this morning that um, although we, we may not have visible idols, then self-reliance... Can very much be a god for us, and as Christians, I think it's really important that we we remember that uh, God doesn't want us to trust in ourselves. He wants us to trust in Him. And the thing I've found is that um, God wants us to trust in Him, in, in even in the things that we can do quite well. So the things that we think we know how to do, God wants to tr- us to trust in Him. Now, um, as you know, I'm a dentist. I spend my time (coughs) treating people's teeth. And since I've stepped back from full-time dentistry, I seem to do more complex cases. And I found, the last few months, I've just found, and I think it's actually part of God's plan, I found that it's it's getting harder. (laughs) I just find, and I don't think it's because I'm getting older. I just think God allows sometimes for us to get into situations where we think we know what we're doing and actually we find we need to trust in him. Remember Peter uh, and the fishermen they thought they knew how to fish until they met Jesus and then they, they fished all night and didn't catch anything at all I, now I don't believe that was coincidence I think God was in, in that, God was saying right I'm going gonna to make, <laughs> make you sweat a bit here fishermen." I'm not going to let you catch any fish until I come. And then Jesus came and said, well, just try the other side. And they caught so many fish that the nets were breaking. Um, And I would say, in your life, whatever it is that you think you're good at, don't leave God out of that. Don't lean on your own understanding, even in that, but learn to trust God, even in the things that you think you can do. Because yeah, we all need to trust God when it you know, we think, oh I haven't a clue what to do here, God help. That's easy. But I can get up in the morning and pray that prayer and go to work and I'm in my dental surgery and I've left God outside the door. It's so easy to do. But in that case, I've made myself my God. So I'm relying on my own understanding my own wisdom so that's the first one Um, and the second one in this chapter that I've noticed there may be others is verse 9 the very next verse it says honour the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine honour the Lord from your wealth so there's a God of self and there's a God of wealth. And I think the God of wealth is a big one. Remember, Jesus said you can't serve two masters? You can only serve one. You can't serve God and mammon, he called it, or wealth, money. And uh, wealth can become, for people who are wealthy, it can become a, a snare. And it, it becomes something that um, you rely on. And you know, people work their whole lives to try and get to a position where they've got enough money to see them through without having to think about it. Alright? That's, that's a lot of people's goal. And it's not necessarily a bad goal. It's good to prepare for the future. But if, you get, if you're trying to get to a position where you don't need God because you've got all the money you need, then you've made money your God. And I think it's, it's probably particularly true uh, as, a, as a risk in where we live here in Jersey, because we live in a prosperous place we're surrounded by people with money, people who are wealthy, as a whole industry set up to help these people who are trying to store up enough wealth to make sure that they have enough until they die. Um, Pat, uh, Pat Todd. Had a, had a vision this year, which she shared with Greg and some others and she had this picture, it was like a recurring picture that she saw of an old man who she she described as being, um, looking like Fagin. Um, so it was an old man and he had some old-fashioned weighing scales and uh, which she'd seen in an antique shop or something and it kept coming back to her and then she had the, the words Um, you are found wanting coming to her and uh, when I heard about this I immediately thought of Daniel and the Belshazzar's feast which I'm just going to read you a little bit of now because it's um, I think it's relevant, it's a great story so way back in about 500 BC uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, had captured Or his armies had captured Israel and and taken them into captivity in Babylon. right, so this was part of God's plan because He was punishing Israel because they were worshipping, they were doing the very thing that the commandments said they shouldn't do. They were worshipping other gods. So they were in captivity, and Daniel was a young man uh, as a captive in exile. And uh, God had given him this gift of interpreting dreams and visions. And to cut a long story short, uh, Belshazzar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son, was having a feast. Now, um, before this, Nebuchadnezzar, God had actually dealt with Nebuchadnezzar in an amazing way. Even though he was an unbelieving king, God had dealt with him like he would deal with with one of his children. And he'd humbled him so for some years he became, it sounds like he became mentally ill, and he just lost his mind, he went out he was eating grass like the animals do. And then, because he humbled himself, God raised him up again before he died. He went through a whole kind of story of of, um, the depths and then the resurrection. And Belshazzar, his son, um, ignored all that. And this is what happened. So he was having this feast and there was lots of wine going on and they'd got all the, all the utensils that, uh, from the temple of the Jews and they were using those to celebrate with. And it says, Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. And the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him. And his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. (laughs) It's an amazing picture, isn't it? This king, he hasn't a clue what's happening. There's a hand writing on his wall. Imagine a hand writing on that wall over there. Um, And he doesn't know what it means because it's in a foreign language and he does so he he tries to get one of his wise men to interpret the writing and they they don't know so they call for daniel and daniel comes in and of course he interprets the words and this is what daniel says to him he says he describes what's happened to belshazzar's father nebuchadnezzar and he 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 runs through this, this story of, of what had happened to his father. And then he says, Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. You have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you and your nobles, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, but the God in whose hand your life breath and your ways you have not glorified so Belshazzar has made a god out of silver and gold and other things and God is about to judge him and there were were, um, three words, the first one was repeated, mene mene tekel yufasin and the, uh, the interpretation of these is, Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. And it says, that same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain and Darius the Mede took over. So it's like instant judgment from God. Imagine Daniel having to be the the guy to deliver this message. God says, tonight you're going to lose your kingdom, and that's it. But even though that's what happened, Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple, and put a necklace of gold around his neck, and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as a third ruler in the kingdom. So Daniel got exalted by the king, even though the king was going to lose his life that night, and lose his kingdom. So, uh, there was justice for him. But it's that phrase, you've been, found, you've been weighed in the, in the scales and found wanting. That, uh, and that's what I felt Pat's picture was all about, that it's a warning that God's wanting to, to say to us, look, I'm watching what's going on, I'm watching what you're trusting in, I'm looking at it. And for people, I think, I, I really feel we need to pray for people in our church, Christians, who are in the finance industry, because they're right in the middle of this worldly system that's trying to amass wealth for people. And it can become a snare. It can become something that gets into our, into us. I know that's true, because it's happened to me. Psalm 62 Verse 9 says this. Men of low degree are only vanity. And men of rank are a lie. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression. Do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. That's Psalm 62. If riches increase, don't set your heart on them. It doesn't, doesn't say riches are wrong doesn't say if riches increase get rid of it because it'll it'll ruin you that might be what God's saying to some people but no it doesn't say that it just says do not set your heart on them because then you've made it a God this is the God of wealth and we we don't want to worship any other gods one God it says the Lord your God He is one. You shall have no other gods, no idols, nothing else, just him. There's another, um, I think there's at least another one god in here, which we we won't look at today because it'll take us way too long. But I'll just read it to you. Verse 19, it says, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And I think uh, one of the gods that we're in danger of being influenced by today in our society is the god of science that says that God did not create the world. Here it says he did. In wisdom he founded it. Now we may have questions about creation. Was it literally seven days? Was it seven ages? How does evolution fit in? But the important thing, the main thing, I would say, in relation to that, is the first verse in the Bible, We don't need to look it up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we live in an age where it's very rare now to find people who believe that. It it wasn't very long ago when nearly everybody believed that, even most of the scientists. Now, most scientists believe we don't need to believe that because science has explained how the Earth came into being without God. Now, science hasn't explained that, and as I say, I haven't time to go into that, but it's something I'm quite interested in. I read quite a lot of books about it, and science definitely has not explained how this world came about. It's just, The whole thing is full of um, questions that haven't been answered. But the important thing is not whether we answer all the questions. The important thing is, do we still believe in the main thing? There's one God. We're here to worship him. And he created everything. It's part of the same thing, I believe. In 1647, the Anglican Church wrote the the Westminster Catechism, a catechism was a way of teaching Christians and children about the Christian faith. So it was questions and answers, lots of questions and answers. And the first question in the Westminster Catechism is, what is, chi- what is man's chief aim? What is man's chief aim? What are we here for? And the answer is, man's chief aim is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the main thing. Let's keep it in mind. Should we pray, Lord thank you for your word thank you for the Ten Commandments thank you for Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar, these great characters Lord thank you for proverbs and thank you Lord, that you are there for us and that you've made it clear to us that you want us to worship you to uh, Put you first to make you first in our lives and to put all our trust in you not to lean on anything else just to trust in you help us do that pray as we as we go out this week lord i pray make us uh, mindful of these things in jesus name thanks for listening please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on itunes Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.